I would like to offer a few reflections on the practice of meditation that we'll be engaging in and uh, some instructions for that practice. The practice of insight meditation is essentially the practice of exploring what it means to be awake. Exploring what it means and what is possible for us as we enter into a direct and intimate encounter with our experience. And if it's okay, I'd just like to ask that um, we don't take notes during the teaching and instructions. It's being recorded and um, I'd really ask for the full attention to the listening. And uh, I hope that's all right with everyone. If there's something that really stands out that you want to make a note of at the end of a period of teaching or in the midst of it, just a few words, that's, I guess, not against the rules. But there's something powerful about just allowing things to land in us and trusting that they will be there when we need them. Please come in if you're just joining the meditation. And so this practice of bringing ourselves into contact with the immediacy of our life, inviting, giving opportunity to our life to be our teacher by paying careful attention to what it is communicating in all the different ways that it may be communicating to us or with us. We can spend so much of our lives at times lost in our fears, our concern, our hopes, our worries, our dreams of the future. And we can spend so much of our lives concerned with trying to understand, resolve or simply recollect the challenges, and equally the sweetnesses of our past experience. And the practice of insight meditation asks us to, to a significant degree, relinquish those particular engagements. That doesn't mean we won't have thoughts or reflections on the past or the future, but when we notice that's what's happening, we come as fully as we're able, into contact, returning back into the sense of interest and engagement with where we are now. So that we're not trying to record in any way, even remember in any way, all of our experiences, what we hear, what we feel, what we understand. We're allowing them to touch us, as fully as they can by being more fully present for them than we usually may be able to be.
And so although, of course, our practice here may be and will hopefully be in the service of the whole of our lives and inform choices and activities that lie ahead of us, to not make that the priority. The journey that is possible for us as practitioners of meditation, as students, we might say, some of us of the Dharma, the teachings that the Buddha offered, that point to realms and possibilities of discovery that are immediate, that are here, and that lead onward, not into the future or some other dimension or location, but lead onward in the sense that they take us further into what is here, reveal more to us of what is possible right now. And for all the real value and benefits in so many ways that has come from meditation be, being more normalized and our culture being um, in a way mobilized within various sort of health and well-being contexts to support health and well-being and, and of immeasurable benefit in doing so. It can also be that subtly we get drawn into the idea that meditation is about getting somewhere or producing something different or other than where we are or what is already here. Getting to some other place, producing some other experience, or generating some future outcome. All of which may be part of what does happen, of course. But when we orient towards that, we orient away from the immediacy of where we are. And so when we engage in the practice, it's helpful to remember this. What will support and allow me? This is the question for us all. What will support and allow me to be more fully, more intimately, more sensitively and more consciously in touch with what is here? So when we engage in the practice, it's in the service of this. And of course our minds will come up with all the things we might get from it or we'd like to produce out of it. Of course they will. That's what our minds do. But can we recognize and notice that this is going on when it starts to take place and notice the effect of it, how it subtly shifts us into a different relationship to life, where life perhaps begins to become again something that we are seeking to consume or that we're seeking to control becomes an object for our understandable habits of wanting and yet there's a deeper I believe wanting or longing in our, in our lives in our hearts in our the depths of what it is that we as human beings can know and understand ourselves to be. And it's a longing for that which is not produced 
and consumed in the way so much of the things of our life are, but which can be revealed, can be discovered, can be cultivated, can be known. And is not separate or apart from all the things which we do produce and consume in all the ways we do that. So to practice meditation is to practice giving ourselves wholeheartedly to the life that is here, giving our attention. We talk about attentiveness and meditation, we talk about mindfulness and paying attention. And it's interesting, isn't it, attention, that we pay attention, we give attention. It's currency, it's actually the most precious thing we have. What we give our attention to shapes our life and our world. And the the facility, the faculty we have for paying attention is something we develop and cultivate through practice, through meditation. Because what we will have noticed if we've even spent a few moments cultivating attention is that it doesn't necessarily follow our instructions or our intentions or our aspirations. Our attention, precious as it is, is often coerced or captured, entangled or repelled by our experience and our habitual patterns in relationship to that experience. So in practice we're also learning to free our attention from the habitual structures which constrict and bind its potential to allow it to be a servant of our awakening, a servant of our well-being, a servant of our shared potential for peace and freedom. So in this meditation we're working with our attention and the instructions tend to begin along the lines of pay attention to your breath or your body. Many of you will have heard these plenty of times before. It's rare these days that someone comes to a retreat having never meditated at all. It was the norm when I started practicing because there was nowhere else to find out how to meditate, at least that I encountered. But these days it's available in so many places and we're told to pay attention to or in a more gentle form, give attention to. But you can see both of those, they involve something being offered. Again, to understand this is precious currency that in a certain way is easily squandered. And I don't really like that word because it sort of suggests a judgment. But it's more like when we don't know the value of something, we don't always care for it as a resource. And attention is perhaps the most precious resource we have because everything flows from this what we give attention to and how we give attention to it shapes our world and our life 
and our experience moment by moment. So the meditation instructions. To give, to offer, to pay, we could say, attention to our immediate experience. Within that, we use the body and the breathing as a central reference for attentiveness because it's simply available and because it's here. The mind can move and does move at times with remarkable speed and sometimes deeply worrying enthusiasm for any place other than right now, it seems. If you've spent any time with your mind, you'll know this. And that's not something to judge, it's something to notice. Oh, look, my mind seems to be keen to go any number of other places. They all seem much more entertaining or important than just the simplicity of right here and right now. And so we give attention to the body because it's here. This is the place to begin. Our body is never to be found anywhere other than right now and right here. And therefore, in attending to it, we connect with that sense of immediacy and presence that is the foundation of what we develop through this training of attention, through this development of what we could call heart and mind. And there are many different ways we can pay attention to the body and to the breathing as an initial foundation, as a place to gather, as a place to rest, as a place to return our attention again and again whenever we need to. If we understand it as an offering, we see that it's not something we can make happen. We don't, it's like you can't force someone to receive a gift. So you've got to take it. That's not a gift. That's something else. It's more like, oh, okay, so I'm offering my attention to the breath, but sometimes there's a sound and my attention goes there instead. Oh, okay. That's what happened. Or there's a feeling or an emotion or a thought. And my attention is drawn to this. Oh, that's what happened. Okay. Can I again notice this and then offer my attention to the breath and to the body again? And so within the body, two primary elements we attend to that can be really helpful. Or that I would say I would suggest and encourage you to use. Because there are many ways to attend to the breath and the body. And some of you will be very practiced in ways that might be different than what I suggest. I'm not saying what I'm going to offer you is the best way. It's certainly not the only way. There are hundreds, if not thousands. But it works. And I know it well, so I can guide you in its use. If ultimately you find another way of practicing serves you better, that's fine by me. But I invite you to try what's suggested here. I encourage you to. Otherwise, why would I be speaking, I guess? But in that, I'm never wanting to suggest this is the best or the only way. Or that I know exactly what's right for you. Because each of us need to experiment and explore to find out what truly works and what is possible for us and how it serves in our situation and experience. But we also need to give it some time to see, to form conclusions too quickly as the habit of our sort of busy world and our busy culture that wants to know straight away. 
Sometimes we need to give a bit of time and space for a deeper understanding and discovery to emerge. So giving attention to this body and the breathing. Suggestion that I find really helpful and that I think for many is really supportive is taking a moment initially to feel the sense of your body as a posture. Feeling the way your body rests on the ground, on the earth, upon the cushion or the chair or the bench. And feeling the firmness, the solidity, the substantiality or whatever you notice as the weight of your body presses down. And if you're standing, then it'll be the soles of your feet that you'll feel that. And just noticing that contact with earth, there is ground there, there is support here for us. And taking a moment to sense the upright quality of the body. And the space around you that allows your body to be upright. The space around and above you that is, in an elemental sense, simply the sky. And this that invites us to be upright, to rise up from the ground, from the earth. And it's fine whether you're sitting in a chair or cross-legged or kneeling in some way. What's really important is that there's some uprightness in the spine. This is so helpful for the mind. So I would encourage, if you're in a chair, to put your feet flat on the ground, if you're able to. Anything I say with regard to body, of course, if you have injuries or vulnerabilities you need to care for, please adjust accordingly for such things. But for most people, actually putting feet on the ground is going to be helpful if you're in a chair. And if you're sitting on the floor and your knees don't touch the ground, putting something under them. So if your knee tends to hang up in space, which mine did when I started meditating, just taking something. I haven't got a cushion or a mat, but if you did, you just put something under it to support it. So again, you're in contact with the ground. And you might need to get something that'll help you do that, which you can do at the end of the sitting uh, for the next time. That sense of in contact with the ground, upright. Taking a moment to feel your pelvis. So many times we're used to sort of tipping our pelvis a little backwards and the torso coming forward, And what it does, in a comfortable chair it's rather nice, but it compresses the abdomen and in fact the whole area of the organs of the torso which are working really hard to do all the things that keep us alive, or a lot of them, and really benefit from the space that's given when the torso is upright and the space between the pelvis and the breastbone is not collapsed or compressed. And we're not necessarily used to supporting our body in this posture without a chair or some other kind of assistance. So it can take a little time, and that's okay, if it takes some time for that. And when we have that sense of upright posture established, and for some you'll just notice, it's almost like there's almost a gentle, ever so tiny degree to which the pelvis is tilted forwards. And then the small curve in the lower back is supported 
and the spine can settle upright. So gravity holds us in the posture rather than tending to pull us out of it. Without trying to get your posture to be anything approaching perfect because there's no such thing. But just there's something to take care of there. And then inviting and allowing some relaxation. So the uprightness and that intentionality through the core of the body, resting on the ground which supports our weight. And then really noticing and inviting any places of holding, of tightness, of constriction or tension to begin to soften or release, not trying to force them to do so. You might notice that it's helpful, as for some of us it can be, to just gently, as you breathe out, sense the quality of out-breath in any area of tightness or holding, of constriction or restriction in your body. So maybe just noticing around your head, around your eyes, or the temples, around the cheekbones, the jaw, the mouth. If there's any tension or holding that's habitual, unconscious perhaps, or maybe well known to you. And as you breathe out, just inviting a sense of softening, releasing, allowing, without trying to make that happen just so far as it can happen organically. And likewise the shoulders, just allowing them to drop or to soften if they're held or lifted a little. And your neck, neck and shoulders. Sometimes this little movement of the head can be just helpful just for noticing if there's tightness or not trying to make anything release by doing it, but just, just to sense what's here. And likewise with your torso, feeling into the chest and belly. The, the posture upright, there's an openness, and a, also just allowing a softness in chest and belly. And if your belly wants to hang out a little bit, just allowing it to do so. Letting it take up a bit of space. So the breath can flow naturally and easily in your body, just however it does. And just beginning to sense, as, as we're sitting here together, how your body is breathing right now. Not in an evaluative sense of, is it doing good or bad? right or wrong, but more, what's it like as my body breathes? What do I notice as the body breathes in, as the body breathes out? And notice if we are thinking in terms of the breath as a particular thing, like the sensations in a certain place, that's the breath can tend to sometimes limit or constrict our sense of breathing to a location or a sensation or an idea. 
But the process of breathing in and breathing out, and the Buddha spoke of this, anapanasati, translates as attention to or mindfulness of the process of breathing in and breathing out. It's a whole living process. And you may notice that as the particular sensations where the air is drawn in, flows over your lip and into your nostrils, down your throat, and the particular sensations as your chest expands and your belly rises with that in-breathing. And equally the sense of the belly dropping and the chest softening down as the air moves up through the throat and out the nostrils. And however you notice that, this could be the way you're aware of the breathing. But it might equally be a more global sense of the the whole breathing in your body. And for some, it can be helpful to include the space around your body. So not feeling required to focus into your body. But allowing the attention to be open, including your body in the space around it, which of course is part of the breathing. The breath is drawn in from the space around us. The breath is breathed out, released into the space around us. And this immediate space too is part of what we can know as breathing. And sensing, exploring a little for yourself, where and how it's most useful for you to attend to the sense of body, sitting, and breathing in and out, just as it is. In this practice, we're not trying to evaluate or compare or analyze the experience. We're simply attending to it, giving our attention, offering the care and sensitivity of this heart and mind to be in contact with the ripple and flow of sensations, and the, the felt sense of your body breathing, however that emerges and reveals itself to you. And of course, there'll be sounds, thoughts, feelings, emotions, images, other sensations in your body not connected with the sense of posture or breathing. When they come, simply notice them, not needing to push them away, or treat them as obstacles or distractions, but nor needing to pick them up to imagine somehow they have something for us that we need to extract or gain from them. And so just bringing your attention back again and again to the experience of sitting and breathing. This is the fundamental activity of your body. The posture it is in and the breath that sustains it. And so we're giving attention to our body in this way.
and in this way equally grounding and connecting ourselves to where we are. To this moment right here. And when you find yourself lost, or perhaps confused, not sure what you're doing or why, or wandering in the realms of past and future, of mental activity, of images and ideas and thoughts, and all of this, just acknowledge what has happened and in that moment begin again. Reconnect. breath by breath, moment by moment. Again and again, returning and reconnecting with just this. This body, sitting on the earth and beneath the sky, breathing in and breathing out just as it does. Being wakeful, mindful, attentive and sensitive to this experience. Moment by moment. Just as you are.
For the last two or three minutes of this meditation, just continuing to connect with and attend to this experience of sitting, breathing, this body right here, right now.
So please take a moment if you need to just adjust your body or bring any relief or release to any pressure or discomfort. I'd like to speak a little bit about the practice of walking meditation. Just, uh, yeah, just taking, taking the moment you need to do what you need to do. And you'll have seen on the schedule that there's a pretty regular flow of sitting and walking and standing meditation <clears throat> with some working and some meals dispersed through it. It can look like there's a lot going to happen, as I mentioned, I think, last night. And uh, in one sense, there probably is quite a lot that's going to happen, but in another sense, it's going to be all just very simple, ordinary things. And walking meditation is, in its way, also something rather simple, rather something ordinary. The activity of walking that's made into practice, that's made into meditation by the attention that we give and by the intention that we carry with that attention. And the practice is really much the same as the sitting meditation. We can often think that, you know, meditation's all about sitting. See images of these uh, sort of awakened beings sitting cross-legged. Though. That's usually how you see them. Occasionally you see them in other postures. Um, when they advertise meditation as being the thing that's going to sort of make you feel better, it almost always comes with an image of someone sitting cross-legged. Interesting. Of course, they also use that to advertise any number of other things these days. People are sitting cross-legged, putting on makeup, or going on a cruise, or getting a mortgage. Even I've seen. It's not to do with the shape or the posture of your body. Certain elements of the posture make a difference to meditative practice. Absolutely, contact with the earth, uprightness, relaxation. Those three essentials. Hard to practice without that. But in walking, we can practice very much as we walk, as we practice sitting. But we're just giving our attention to a different aspect of our experience. So in the sitting, primary attention is to the sense of the posture. And within the posture, the thing that's mostly going on, which is the breathing. That's what our body is doing. In the walking, it's about experiencing the posture, which is an upright posture, essentially standing and then taking a step and then another, in motion, in movement. And the giving of attention to this experience can be really helpful in many ways. It, um, it gives us an opportunity to practice where there's a little bit more going on. That makes it slightly more challenging in one sense because things are moving and changing but it also, and sometimes for many of us, it also makes it a little easier because there's a little bit more going on. It depends what we're finding. Sometimes we're challenged by the fact that there's too much happening. Sometimes we're challenged by the fact that there's not so much happening. And this varies for each of us at different times, of course. And so in the walking, we find a place where we can walk back and forth. 
And I would suggest something between 5 and 15 metres, 5 to 15 yards, but there's no rules for this. The instruction is always going to be explore and see what works for you to allow you to connect more fully, more deeply, more intimately or in a more sustained way with your experience. The value of having a space that's limited is that we don't just sort of wander and wander off, which is what we can do. The body starts walking, the mind starts moving, and then we just keep going. Sometimes we can do it all day. But we walk for a certain length, we stop, we turn around, we come back. And even if we haven't noticed that we were walking, at the point where we stop, it's highly likely that we'll notice, oh, I'm here. And if we don't and keep going, at some point we'll notice, oh, I didn't stop. Huh, something's going on. So it's a support, it creates a container for us in which we get to both cultivate attentiveness, this development of our capacity to harness the resource of attention rather than have it in a way determined by any number of other things, which are mostly to do with what is the loudest or the strongest impression or what speaks to us of something that seems most significant, which is often in the realm of the thoughts and the feelings. And actually here we're learning to guide our attention in a conscious way, to choose what we attend to and how we attend to it. Ultimately, our practice needs to include all things. If it's to transform our life, our whole life must be included in the meditative practice. But as a training, it's really helpful in the beginning to simplify it. And so, creating that boundary of walking, stopping, turning around, walking back. It can be inside or outside. I encourage you to go outside. I think we, personal opinion here, I think we spend, many of us, and certainly myself, way more time inside than is actually optimal for well-being. So the outdoors there, it's actually lovely. But there's a walking um, hall just uh, to the left as you go out, or um, you can also access it from the uh, door at the bottom of the main stairwell. Um, and you can do walking meditation in there, or in your room, or any of the hallways that aren't a main thoroughfare, basically. If it's in other hall- the hallways between the dining room, the um, notice board room, and reception at the other end of the house, those are not places for walking meditation because they're people needing to travel up and down them pretty frequently. And so, and then, so we find a place to walk, and we give ourselves to it. So we say, okay, just as when we come to a sitting, I'm going to do a sitting, I'm going to stay here. When we do a walking, we do a walking, we're going to stay there. We're going to do that, practice. As much as we're able, that's the invitation and encouragement. And for many of us, what will be helpful is to begin by bringing our attention to our feet, feeling the contact with the earth, and then sensing and experiencing what it's like to take a step. And we do this experientially in a moment, but just describing it, and then another, and then another. For most of us, it's helpful to slow down a little from the natural speed or the habitual speed we might walk at. And it kind of makes sense because it's like there's nowhere to get to. We're not going anywhere. We're already here. So it's not like we need to rush. And often when we're walking, we're busy trying to go somewhere. And we're often thinking about what we're going to do when we get there. Or what we did before when we left, wherever it was we were doing the last thing. And here, oh no, it's just walking to walk. So, 
walking back and forth is we're already here. You don't get any points for walking back and forth more quickly and doing it more times. Or prizes. We did prizes last night, didn't we? Points today. You don't get any extra points for that. But you also don't get points for walking more slowly than anybody else. Sometimes slowing down helps us pay attention. And if that's so, go as slow as is useful. I've done retreats where I barely managed to walk out to the end of the hall and go to the toilet and get back in 45 minutes because that's how I was practicing. I've done retreats where I was out on the lawn and, you know, 20 seconds after the bell rang because that's how I was practicing. So there's no right or wrong in that, but see what works for you and be conscious of the choices that are made in that is what I would invite. And with the walking... Because there's more going, sometimes you can get a bit more lost and all. It looks like, this isn't meditation, I'm just wondering about what's going on. Such a common thought for practitioners. Not just at the beginning of the journey, I have to let you know. It can happen when one's been doing it for decades. If that happens for you, just stop. Take a few moments to land where you are, feel your body. Remember, oh, I'm here, it's a practice, it's a training, of course. I'm training and I'm practicing because it's something to develop and learn. We're not supposed to have got it perfect to begin with. We wouldn't need to do it if that was the case. So give yourself permission to start again. Without the weight of evaluation or assessment of how well you're doing. Just start again. So I'd like to give a little experiential instruction for the walking. And uh, I'd invite you to, in just a moment, stand up and perhaps stand either in front of or to the side of your meditation space so that you have just really 30, 40 centimetres or you know, just over a foot of space in front of you. It doesn't need a lot of room for what it would do. And just come to stand in that location. Placing your feet on the ground, approximately shoulder width apart, pointing relatively straight forward, so you can feel the weight and balance on your feet okay. If you haven't got much room in front of you, because you weren't going to be on this piece here. Um, the, the raised section is a allowable territory. So bringing your attention into your body, you might want to do this with your eyes closed, you don't need to. Generally walking meditation I would suggest you do it with your eyes open, for perhaps obvious reasons. But I did once have a student walk very mindfully into a pond, um, and they were okay fortunately, but it wasn't ideal as things go. So, eyes if you close your eyes, sometimes it helps gather the attention into the body. And for this, you might like to, but you don't have to, as I said. And what I invite you to do now is just move your weight into your left leg. And I'll do the same, so I, well, I'll mirror that movement, so if you're looking, I appear to go the same way. It's fine to be looking. If you're in any way unsteady on your feet, have your eyes open. And then move your weight back into the right, and notice what that feels like as the weight comes into the right, as it leaves the left. 
And then again, just moving the weight back into the, into the left. As the weight comes fully into the left, feeling how the foot presses in the ground, how the other foot becomes light, and then lifting that, the right foot and leg, lifting it up, just moving it a few inches or centimetres forward, and putting it down. Moving the weight into the right, as the weight comes out of the left, we can pick it up, move it forward, take another step, just like that. And perhaps bringing the two feet together again, one more small step. Feeling what that's like. So this is walking meditation. That attentiveness to the feet gives some focus and allows us to gather the attention in a more clear and precise way. Sometimes we might include the whole body in the walk. But if you're new to the practice, I invite you to just start with the focus on the attention to the feet touching the ground, feeling that experience as the weight comes into and leaves each foot as you take a step. It doesn't have to be such a small or a slow step as I already suggested, but if it's helpful, sometimes you might like to experiment with that. So, in just a moment or so, we'll be time for some walking meditation, and then we'll come back together at 11 o'clock for a, another period of practice, which will begin with some standing. And the standing will begin just as we began this, with standing. So, um, I'll give some instructions for that when, when, when we come together. I just want to check if anyone has any questions at this point with regard to the instructions so far, the walking just now, or the, um, or the sitting meditation instructions. Bearing in mind that there will be a question and answer session this afternoon, after lunch, if there's larger questions to be asked. It's primarily if I'm wanting to check that you've heard and relatively well understood enough of what I've said to be able to put it into practice and see what happens. That, that's the basic realm of the questions here. If you haven't got that from what I've said, please let me know or ask what's not clear for you. Okay. Good. So, um, time for some walking. It'll be probably about 20 minutes before the bell rings. So not such a long period, but enough, I think, for you to, to begin the practice. And just with that, I'd invite you to move out in a sort of normal walking pace so those at the front get to leave also before the end of the period. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.